Welcome to the future of education. And now, here's your host, Michael Horn. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the future of education, where we are obsessed with helping all individuals build their passions and fulfill their human potential. And today's cast has been doing that for a heck of a lot longer than I've been involved in trying to transform education. And he's been doing the work by, in a variety of ways, really, by pushing the envelope or even ripping up that envelope and throwing out the playbook altogether and innovating. His name is Elliot Washer. And among the many hats that he has worn and had, he's uh, the co-founder of Big Picture Learning. He's the co-founder of the Met Center in Providence, Rhode Island. And we, of course, have had learners from Big Picture Learning Schools on the show. We've had Andrew Frischman on, on the show. But the topic that I really want to dive in with Elliot on is the International Big Picture Learning Credential, which, in the words of Elliot to me, changes the equation by measuring how an individual is smart, not just how smart they are. And I think that's a really profound flip and an exciting set of opportunities. So first, Elliot, Welcome. It's really good to see you. Uh, I assume you're coming to us today from San Diego. Uh, yeah, it's not what people think. It's raining and chilly here today. I got a sweater on even. I don't mean to make anybody feel bad who's in real cold weather, but you know, <laughs> not all is perfect in San Diego like people think. <laughs> well, you know, close, still, still close enough to paradise, <laughs> I, I, I suspect. But before we really dive into the nuts and bolts here, Let's talk about this credential that you all have created. It was developed by big picture schools, as I understand it, in Australia. And then the University of Melbourne, I think, partnered on this to sort of vet and bless it, if I understand. But tell us a little bit more about what, what it really is and why it's unique. Yeah, and I, I feel that over the five decades um, that I've been working, that uh, and we've all um, in very good ways many of us uh, struggle with assessment constantly that our colleagues in australia Viv white who's the co-executive director of big picture uh, learning in australia uh, and her uh, staff and we have about 40 schools there have come up with something that uh, contribute a lot to the field um, so what happened was <clears throat> is that um, Viv took um, big pictures learning goals, which are basically pretty easy to understand to, by anybody in that um, we like to credit students uh, around how they apply their academics in and outside of school you know, with mentors and uh, teaching staff as advisors uh, in, in the real world and in, in, and in school once again, in communities. Um, what they did was they took the, the learning goals and they um, went to the University of Melbourne, um, to the psychometricians there, who, the head of whom is uh, Sandra Milligan. And they said, um, we want to credit teacher judgment, uh, student self-assessment, and mentor judgment. And we we need a uh, a warranting and a validation entity uh, to do that. And Sandra and her team um, collaborated with our schools and developed an algorithm that as you put the information in <clears throat> through, once again, teacher judgment, 
uh, student self-assessment and mentor judgment, it, it spun out a validation that vetted and warranted that this was real, that what they actually said they did, uh, they did. And then our, our students applied to universities, colleges, technical schools, and the workplace in Australia, and it, lo and behold, it was accepted without using standardized test scores or GPAs. These areas now that they're vetting are things like communication skills, empirical reasoning, quantitative reasoning, as I understand it, right? Personal qualities and sort of metacognition or knowing how to learn, I right. think. What are those artifacts that they're feeding in or into that algorithm really look like? So, so basically it is the, um, a students create um, their own learner profile, which is both text and video. That's, that's a piece of this. And that can start, and we, we see this starting kindergarten all the way through. Um, right now, we're doing some work at the K-8 level with this. <clears throat> Excuse me, but it's mostly at the high school level. And when um, a student has uh, compiled um, their work, both uh, their in-school work and their out-of-school work, which for us are connected, um, they put it together and run it through um, what they call this petal or ruby, which looks like those six measures in them. The uh, learning how to learn one is uh, metacognitive as well as uh, disciplinary thinking, how to learn to think in a discipline. And once again, all that work is looked at and vetted all the way through. And then in the junior year and senior year, it goes in to the University of Melbourne to be vetted and warranted. And they somehow spin it out with al an algorithm that they're, that they're working on to get better and better. And it's pretty good now. Uh, and lo and behold, it, it worked. It gave enough validation and credibility to what many of us needed. So for example, if you have a portfolio from any school, how does that university workplace technical school know that it's real? And that's the function of uh, uni, what Uni Melbourne is doing. And I don't know why we never thought of it like that before. <clears throat> it seems pretty simple and smart, what Viv and her colleagues came up with, but we hadn't. And so we just relied on sending out <clears throat> transcripts, if you will, and portfolios. Now, if if there really is, and, and there is developing a clearinghouse around this, um, we can, we can utilize a university, a trusted place to vet and warrant these three things around student learning. So now what happened was in the research, and um, at the end, we can point you to the research that's been done in Australia by third parties, we found out that indigenous students, uh, immigrant students are getting into places that they normally wouldn't get into. Because it's not about how smart you are, how, uh, how you look to a test, but it's how, how you are smart. And all of a sudden people are starting to recognize that um, and go, wow, this is really, really different. This makes a lot of sense. Super mm -hmm. interesting. And, and as I understand it, in each of those six areas, there's five levels, right? So I can say, in effect, here's my portfolio of work. 
the things I know and can do and show application of. And it's going to say, great, Michael, you're a level four communicator. I'm making this up, right? You're, you're a level three in your quantitative reasoning, whatever, whatever it is, basically these mastery thresholds, yes. I assume. And then that's going to create a, a, a very simple portfolio of who I am. I say simple in the sense of like, it's a quick representation for a university or employer or whatever. And then they can dig into it to start to say, okay, what does that mean Michael can actually do? And let's actually look at the at the work in, itself and the exam. Yes. And before it gets to that point, um, there's um, professional development where <clears throat> staff from the same school and staff from a different school look at different students' work and rate it. So there's that piece going into that algorithm as well. And then that university um, psychometric work is saying, yes, it is what they say it is. And that's really powerful and important. Um, so, so there's a lot to it that makes teacher professional development and judgment, you know, raises the bar on that, if you will. And what we what we're finding out, and we've started it in the United States with about 25, 30 schools in California, Washington State, and New York, is that the the algorithm the, the teachers are harder on um, uh, the students, and the students are harder on themselves than the algorithm is. <laughs> yeah, so. So there's all this play going on, which I feel is really very healthy. Now, uh, the implications for that are pretty amazing because now you can credit learning that happens outside of school as well as inside. Now you're crediting uh, tacit learning where you know more you can say than you can say. You can show things. Now you're um, crediting fluid intelligence and young people recognizing patterns that come out uh, culturally um, and, in, and in their communities and from their neighborhoods and families. So it looks, it's, a, it, it's taking this to another level. Um, we've also instituted it in, uh, or started it in um, um, where we have schools in Barbados uh, and Kenya. And, and that it's working very well there. As well. So what we're looking for now uh, and what the University of Melbourne is doing, Sandra Milligan and Viv, is we're looking for university partners in the United States. And Uni Melbourne has um, sister relationships with other universities in the States. And that's where um, Sandra's going first. And we're seeing how we can how they can partner with universities here. So it the transfer of student data is not going across internationally. And of course, there's all these um, pieces that have to be worked out around online student data and all that and, and privacy. And that's also a part of this work um, as well. It's, and it's not easy work, it's rewarding, um, it's exciting. Um, it, it, I hope it leads once again to other people figuring th this out even better than we figured it out. <laughs> and but we're going to keep pushing on it because we think that uh, Viv and her colleagues are really onto something. 
Well, so uh, there's a couple of pieces there that I want to come back to, but just, just, you know, you, you, you talked about sort of what it starts to replace a little bit, standardized test scores that are very narrow measures of, of, of a certain basket of skills, we'll call them, uh, grades that maybe are unreliable because maybe the teachers are underrating what the students can do or, or vice versa in certain settings, I'm sure, uh, and great inflation, but uh, that it's creating these robust measures. It strikes me that something else that it's doing is that this isn't just, uh, say, badging work uh, that's been out there for years uh, because it's there's this validity and reliability behind it. It strikes me, you know, we see industry certifications, but what seems different here is that these are, you know, the six areas you just talked about, those are sort of school competencies, if you will, that should port across states, countries, school systems, et cetera. Uh, and then, you know, there's stuff like the Mastery Transcript Consortium and stuff, which I think is super exciting, but they're not actually doing the, you know, the validating, if you will, of the actual learning itself, as far as I understand it. So it seems to maybe not replace, but fit within something like that. Do I have that right? You, what you, else is you, it replacing and tearing do. it out? We've been having some very nice conversations with Mastery Transcript and other um, platforms like Capable. Uh, and and it does fit because we're adding some value that, um, quite frankly, uh, people haven't thought about uh, in, in a way we have. And what's one of the things that's most interesting personally for me and and for our work at Big Picture is that crediting of outside of school learning. That it doesn't just happen inside the four walls of a school, that certifications are out there in the real world as well as in school. And that that becomes part of the process of bringing this work back in school and crediting it. So, and, and crediting um, who the young person really is from the community that they come from. All those pieces are in, incredibly important that are leveling a playing field. Well, so, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I have this recollection that you used to work in New Hampshire even before big picture learning days, if I'm correct. Um, I don't know where I'm pulling that from, but the, uh, but, you know, a place like New Hampshire now has these pathways to credential out of school learning. I think one of the reasons maybe people have had concerns about it is that there's not been an assessment sitting on top of it to say like, you know, is this really just Michael Horn's volunteer hours at a community center? Or did he actually like know and do and apply something? And it seems like this framework could also really help support those more systematic efforts as opposed to say individual schools or school networks that have valued out of school learning this could really turbocharge some of those efforts to be a little bit more true, I guess, to this, this notion that we all know is true, which is learning happens all the time, anywhere. We just haven't figured out a way to credential it, if you will, outside of the formal school day. Uh, I, I, yes to what you said. I, I feel that um, whether um, people buy into the work that is um, the international big picture learning credential or learn from it. It's once again, adding value to the whole body of work that's out there and, and it's needed and necessary. 
uh, if we're going to move this forward. I always say on a competency-based systems, they talk about anywhere, anytime. But if they don't talk about the many ways that you really understand something, that sometimes you can show it, but you can't say it, which is how you work more in the real world, then we're bouncing back to a written text, uh, test or and text um, for any kind of validation and certification. And this is way more than that. You can actually show what you can do. You know, it's a, um, as Winton Marsalis said at one time, uh, there's only one school and that's the school of can you play. And, and that you can't, schools shy away from that. It has to be what you put down in a written test and what you say. But so much of the world works in the, in the tacit arena, in the arena of, 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 of a craft, if you will, and, and a science and an art all integrated together. Whereas our measures are text-based and written and spoken, but not necessarily um, something that comes out of a community of practice outside of school that is validating, uh, can you do it? Is it good enough? And, and, and those pieces around is, uh, the, my buddy Mike Rose who passed away would say, as, as mastery is foregrounded, the clock recedes. When, when you're looking in uh, school time and, and a set time of a day and a set period and a set number of weeks and then you're punching out a grade, that looks very, very different now than something like the IBPLC. So I, I want to dig then into the valid and reliable part of this. And, you know, I mean, a psychometrically evaluated tool, it seems to me that that's pretty breakthrough here. Um, it's another thing that's different from all the badges and stuff that's out there because it says, yeah, the student can do these things. Uh, and you mentioned sort of inner rate or reliability of having different places look at uh, an artifact of work and saying, you know, saying what this really is a mastery threshold of and so forth. I, tell us more about, like, how does someone know if it's valid and reliable? What does that really mean and indicate? Uh, because we hear it all the time as sort of the gold standard of assessment. Yeah, no, it's a really good question, and I'm not a psychometrician. Um, but I'm glad that some psychometricians are interested in exploring this with us. And I I feel that they have really... Um, put their heart and soul and, uh, um, and analysis analytics to this to really come up with something that um, is ongoing and developing, but is pretty damn good. And so using what what is being inputted by teachers and by mentors by students and creating that analysis is what's doing this and looking at bigger numbers of students going in um, to this process is what's going to make it more um, uh, is going to refine it and, and make it even more reliable i can say for sure pretty much for sure that much you know like i said i don't i don't know I know it's not magic, but I know, and I know that it, there's a um, there's a really uh, serious bunch of people 
are playing and, 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 and involved in and producing these kinds of analytics. So I think they're on their way. Um, it's real important. And, and for some reason, we'd all like to say, just use teacher judgment. But it, it, it hasn't happened in 70 years, and it ain't going to happen. So we come up with something called standardized tests, which measures things way, way too narrowly for most of us and miss too much. This is something that's giving us this other kind of breakthrough, possibly, disruption, possibly. Um, I don't think we're at the end of it. I think we're at the beginning of it. Um, and I, I really feel very hopeful about it. And I hope, and my hope is, is that we get the supports uh, and that people, because people say, hmm, this is really important. I can't keep doing what I'm doing like you discussed in New Hampshire. It's not going to give me what we really want. It's not going to give it across states, countries, even within our own place. And, you know, this is that whole piece around as well, around our work and that's been in the field and the research work of people like Julia Freeland Fisher. It's who knows you know what you know. And, and that gets you to a place. Well, that's that outside of school learning uh, validation that's coming into this, as well as you hear the student voice in the learner profile in the video and in their, um, their written work of, of them telling everybody um, who they are and who they want to become and what adds meaning to their life. And it's different for each and every young person. Well, I love that you can represent that individuality and that pursuit of uniqueness as opposed to trying to all compete to be the best on some something narrow, uh, which creates the zero-sum mess that we're in right now. The question I guess I want to end on is uh, folks who listen to me know that I think innovation and assessment is perhaps the most important or or in the top two, certainly, uh, innovations we need to enable a real positive sum system to flourish where, where we move beyond the time measures and so forth and, and allow each person to, you know, be the most unique person they can be ultimately. So you all have developed the beginning of this, as you said, you're bringing it into the U.S. now, you're looking for the university partner what are the sort of the steps ahead? Are, are all big picture learning schools going to start using this credential or, you know, what's it going to take, I guess, to start to get this spread? Give us a little bit of the right. map. So right now we have about oh, 30 schools in the U.S. and um, around the world, around the world, aside from Australia, involved. And... And what it's and it, although we use big picture learning goals are interesting in the sense that as you, I think you were saying and I would agree, they are they're not so abstract like a lot of competencies like creativity. All right, I mean, when does that happen? You know, it just I got. When I hear that, I go, it's wonderful, but these are really tied to the school. 
you know, in, in, empirical reasoning is applied science. So you're applying your, your, you know, your knowledge and use of science. Use of, um, you know, quantitative reasoning mathematics. Um, uh, when we talk about uh, communication, we're talking about not just written. You know, it's like the Isadora Duncan line. If I could say it, I wouldn't have to dance. So that's part of communication, too. Um, all those ways that we can communicate. Uh, and so we're closely aligned to what uh, schools can grab onto. And now we're saying, ah, wait a second. Now we're including application. And the application can happen inside or outside of school. And that that's different. That's key. And yes, we're going to use the judgment of mentors who talk to students and teachers. And yes, student voice is going to be part of this as well. So yes, we're looking for, and, and um, the Uni Melbourne is looking for a university partner. We're looking for platforms that we could put this on uh, that are next steps. It is, so it is not, it's an, it's not two steps over the chasm to get to a, applied academics, um, which make it a lot easier set of uh, learning uh, goals, if you will, that can be um, understood by any school system, public, private, home. And I think that there's a big market for this uh, in, in homeschool. I think there's a big market for this in youth development. As uh, and and in public schools, of course. Um, so that's a little bit of an answer to your question. I I think uh, places we have to go, and and how it it can connect beyond big picture schools as well as using ours uh, as a pilot, as well as we have schools in and another part of big picture called upstream collaborative which are not necessarily big picture schools in full, um, but are, are schools that um, want to learn more about how we do what we do. And they're also involved in this as well. Love so much of this. And I, and I can't wait to follow the progress and have you back on at some point, I think, to, to, to update us on that. But for now, uh, as we wrap up, where can folks learn more about the international big picture learning? Go to our website, Big Picture Learning, and look up the IBPLC. Um, and my email is ewasher at gmail.com, O-R. Uh, send me an email, and I'll send you, um, if it's not up there yet, I'll send you uh, the uh, research. You can go to Big Picture Australia as well. They have a lot more posted than we do because it's their research. Um, so, yeah, there's a bunch of places you can find out more information. Um, we're happy to talk to any and everybody about this. And uh, hopefully, once again, like I said, if it's not us and somebody else takes this and, and goes further with it in, in, in better ways, that's fantastic. But I, I really feel, once again, I give a lot of credit to Viv and her colleagues that um, they really have contributed. And I'll say... It might be a nice idea to have Sandra and Viv on to talk about psychometrics because I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fully admitting that I'm not the person to talk to 
about you know the details of how they analyze what they do. But I've heard them talk about it. I'm just not the person to talk about. It. Let's do that soon. Okay. We'll say and then. Uh, but but for now, Elliot, huge thank you. Appreciate what y'all are doing. Uh, and appreciate you and for everyone tuning in. We'll be back next time on the future of okay. education. Thanks a lot for having us.